are we going to get going? Yes, I think we should. Cool. Well, in that case, I'll leave you to do the introduction this time, because I think when you do the introductions, more people download our podcast. So, <laughs> for some Hello, reason. everyone. Welcome to the Ice Sphere. My name is Joy. And I'm I. Welcome to our fourth episode. Yeah, fourth episode season fourth two. Fourth episode of the year, yeah. And today we're going to be talking about The Last of Us episode three. Specifically yeah, no, the, episode the last three. of us podcast this is oh, well to be honest like it's it's definitely something you could talk about until the end of time it's like so far it's been incredible in a way like we we did obviously talk about episode one when it came out and both of us were kind of mm-hmm. gushing over it and i think um it's it deserves its praise i think like all three episodes so far have like really knocked out the park like all of them have been great um and interestingly, the uh, Last of Us is apparently one of like the only shows in HBO history that has become more and more popular per each episode released. Normally, there's a drop Believe off, it. but they're actually yeah. getting more and more popular. And I reckon it will probably continue into the fourth episode. We might be seeing like one of the best kind of TV shows being made of all time. And I know that that's really easy to say when you're like part of it and people were saying it about game of thrones um but like i don't know every single episode's been an absolute banger and i feel like the one hour 20 runtime of each episode has really helped it um Mm -hmm. because i'd say that's digestible you know it's not like you're going to the cinema to sit in your ass for like three hours um that was a big like i remember i'm going to sound absolutely ancient here i remember when i was younger the average runtime for a lot of films was an hour and 20 minutes yeah. and it wasn't just like kids stuff it was like the standard an hour and 20 minutes and then it started getting into the marvel cinematic universe and suddenly you're watching three hours of explosions and i think and that's and that and and, that. Yeah. and and that's just the side film before you watch the main one that you actually want so you get all the references <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah i i have a lot to say about it from a, a writing a writing standpoint but also just the the really interesting way it's been received um the the third episode yeah because it, it kind of it's it's a really fun thing because it's a tv of a tv show that's obviously been adapted from a video game and historically those tend to fail horrifically Suck ass, yeah and this has been going from strength to strength in a way that is respectful of the source material although there are some people who have been debating that um and yeah. we will be discussing that unfortunately because that's that's been a huge part of the the blowback this episode has had yeah Um, we we want to talk about the episode itself on this uh, podcast and then we also want to talk about the kind of things surrounding it because i think personally i'm really interested in how they've managed to make an episode like that expands and deepens the game in a much more meaningful way that i think like, a game could probably not tell that story. The Last of Us couldn't have told that story about um, Bill and Frank in the same way. Mm-hmm. But in a way that's, like, entirely complementary. Like... It's, it's, yeah, it's also the difference in audience. And it's the yeah. difference in who the story is being told for and the cultural reference and impact it has. So I there's a lot I have to say on it. 
So cool. it's, we'll get into it. We will get into it. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that people are missing the nuance of and they're going, well, the most faithful adaptation should be the video game. That was for a different audience for a different time period. Yeah. But anyway. I don't know. Like, I mean, for the record, I've only ever played through The Last of Us once and I barely remember any of it. Like Jessica's like sitting next to me while we're watching and is reminding me of half the stuff that happens in the game because I only know <laughs> like certain kind of touch points. And um, like, I suppose we can probably start with like the episode itself and how it starts. And I think this is the first episode that I found. It was quite interesting because it was the first episode that didn't start with a flashback to pre like pandemic. So like the first Mm -hmm. episode had the scientists, the second episode had the other scientist in Indonesia. And this Mm -hmm. one started with Joel and Ellie. Um, And I think that was like... I don't really like I don't think I've got the um the TV and movie background to really talk about like how that worked. Um but it is 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 different from what we've seen so far in regards to the um mm-hmm. how the episodes start because it's just them chilling in the forest and doing journey well, stuff. It's, it's been ways of building exposition without being too heavy-handed with it. Yeah. And then this episode, if you'd started with another flashback, it would have been, oh, it's more exposition, people would get bored. Whereas if you start with the third chapter, chapter being yeah. like, here they are, here's the continuation of the last time you saw them. And it opens with a very frank and honest moment between Ellie and Joel. And, he, and she turns to him and he's obviously upset because um, Tess is lost, dead. lost yeah. Tess. And Ellie has a very much moment of you think she's going to apologize, but what she actually does is she grounds you in the moment and she says, You can't hold me responsible for something that's not my fault. Stop stop being a little bitch, basically. Yeah. And it really grounds you in the moment of, oh, this is the reality of what they're dealing with. This is, you know, Joel's obviously nursing his grief and some other things as well, but he also has to take care of someone who's still essentially a child, but a child who is aware enough to know, hey, that wasn't actually my fault. Yeah. I mean it was really good like characterization and again like the it's funny because obviously like the last of us ellie's a pretty strong character anyway mm-hmm. but i think it's um it's quite nice to also see that it almost avoids the kind of tropes of like the child internalizing all the guilt and you know we yeah. then we then get that kind of like mini plot of them like kind of dealing with it um i, I quite i quite liked it and of course like it was funny on this on the second rewatch that you made me do tears streaming down my face, um, <laughs> before we we did this. Uh, like I, I remember the start of that episode, the Joel and Ellie stuff being a lot shorter than what it was, but it was yeah. actually like actually the start of it's quite long, with Joel and Ellie because the they're on the they're walking the go into like the kind of hut where um, Joel scavenges for some weapons that he's left behind. Um, and Ellie stabs the um, the infected in the head that's like trapped under the rubble. Um, but then you've got more of them walking, and there's like the plane, and they have a discussion about in the like being in the plane. Um, mm-hmm. And then they come across the the bodies that have been basically left to rot, and their skulls and stuff left over from when people were evacuated and then got gunned down so mm-hmm. um so like it's that really takes well. that it's yeah done, the pacing's done well but like it, i mean i'd say all of that takes place in about 15 minutes but it it 
Like in my mind before going into the rewatch, I thought it was way shorter. I thought we got like five minutes with Joel and Ellie and then we were on to the kind of Bill story. Um, and it was kind of nice, like the Joel and Ellie story are kind of like bookends of this episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you get Joel and Ellie at the end too, but it's like, it, it completely brings you up to kind of like modern day. Um, yeah, it, it really does. Like it's, it's, I always say it, the pacing in the show has been great so far. It's really concise, and it, but it also spares nothing. So yeah. there's a fantastic kind of economy of screenwriting going on where it's been pulled back to the bare bones, but the bare bones are the best. Yeah. And it, it's really kind of like another, ep- another TV show, a lesser TV show, would have spent 40 minutes doing the walk through the forest and Ellie come, like telling Joel to get over himself and to stop yeah. blaming her for like it you know it, it's done with they know the priority of the episodes they know the priority of the story they're trying to tell within each episode and I yeah. think them having an hour and 20 minutes really lets them do that because it gives them room to have a full arc yeah because it's very think... hard to have a satisfying arc in about 40 minutes yeah um some some mediums can do it very well but with something as as deep and rich as the world that The Last of Us already has, you do have to give it time. But you also, you know, it's it's knowing the right amount of time to give to something. Um, yeah. And I, I, I've been watching it with kind of like awe from a storytelling standpoint. <laughs> like, how are you doing? Like, how are you getting to like, it's, you can be so precise with it. It's so um, it's so tight in terms of its story. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the, it's, it's interesting, watching this episode in particular, I found myself like thinking of like ways you could make the episode worse um there was like i'm so glad they did it the way that they did it because a lesser tv show would have done this like a completely different way um and it was it was just like interesting like just key scenes going through it i was like they've made it that way because it's just it's so much tighter um and to be honest we probably we'll talk about this as we kind of go through it um but yes, we we after a scene with Joel and Ellie, we get like a sorry, like we get a, a solid bit with them, um, and then it cuts to the the bodies that Joel and Ellie are looking at. It kind of reverts back to um, the kind of days of the um, the start of the the infection, mm-hmm. and it's the people being loaded onto the trucks. And you think that you're going to get a back, like a flashback, even um, that revolves entirely around who the people. In the body like whose bodies yeah. they are where um but instead it cuts to um bill who's in a basement with cameras um calling people new world order bastards and is like basically a uh, hiding as the soldiers go and like clear the houses and make sure no one's in them absolute doomer prepper who survives, oh, yeah. <laughs> all, uh, survives everyone by being a paranoid bastard but then he was right um yeah and i think they played his character really well i one of my favorite lines is you know you think you you and your paranoia you think the government's nazis and his response is they are nazis like it's done very well yeah he's actually been proven right to some degree um but it's done in a way that you're like of course he's been proven right in this situation and i think for a lot of people like just drawing parallels between our own experience of the pandemic it's like oh yeah the government will leave the weakest of us to die. Yeah. <laughs> like speaking, speaking as a disabled person who's immunocompromised, I have watched the entire of COVID unfold. Like, oh, people in charge really don't care. 
Oh, there's, okay. Well, there's uh, every every man for himself, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's you, actually yeah. there's a, there's a bit when uh, sorry, I'll jump back again because there's a bit when mm-hmm. Joel's talking to Ellie about that, and it's like, didn't you learn like this? She's asking him about how the infection spread, and he goes, didn't you learn this stuff at school? And it's like. No, all we all we learn is like how the government fucked up the like the pandemic response is what she says, and it's very much a stare at the screen moment. Yeah, um, it was. Everyone felt that <laughs> I think when they were watching it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to say like Nick Offerman did a fucking brilliant job as as Bill. Just like all the all the wee mannerisms, like when he you know he. He, he pops out of his basement, which is like a hidden room with a with a chest on top, and he comes out the ladder and he's got his shotgun and he's kind of going through all of his rooms his with the gas gas mask, yeah. gas mask on. And then there's this scene where he gets outside and he realizes it is really just him. And then this kind of like cheery rock and roll music kind of starts <laughs> playing, and you see him going about and doing all the tasks of like doomsday prepper. He goes and picks up uh, stuff from like uh, a Best Buy. Um, and he goes to Home Depot. Goes yeah. to Home Depot and he turns on the gas um, at the power plant or wherever it is. Um, Sets and, up his generator so it has electricity. Yeah, and it's just it's so like it, it's so good. Like just the whole kind of setup there, and then you've got you've got him doing that, and then it really is just the him setting up traps, him planting food, him cutting down trees you're getting the kind of like you know how this all kind of starts and then before you know it he's got like a um like an aluminium fence all the way around uh, like the group of houses that he's near um mm-hmm. and you know he's, he's, he's cre- created a you know a gated community for himself <laughs> in, for himself but like it's the kind of like it's poking fun at the actual gated communities we have now where it's you know it's the rich and the wealthy and it's just this absolute gremlin of a man <laughs> hunting in the woods and feeding chickens and like yeah, yeah it, it's it's really it's well done it's a really good parody because he, he lives in a very it looks like a very white affluent area it's very stereotypical you know middle class suburban america looking with like mm. the white picket fences and everything else and then you pull back and there's just the barbed wire the whole way around the perimeter <laughs> yeah. like ah yeah okay and there's, I can there's, see my neighbourhood doing that. <laughs> there's good wee scenes as well when he's like he's eating food and like his entertainment. He turns on the security cameras and like one of the one of the infected are like walking in the woodlands near where he, he stays and he set up all of the kind of tripwire traps. Mm-hmm. One of them triggers one and he just gets shot in the head and he's just like he kind of just chuckling to himself as he's eating. Um, proper proper doomsday preppery type guy. You've been um, alone too long behavior yeah and he's got he's got like the don't tread on me flags and everything that they they paid like particular attention to um and he's got like walls and walls of guns uh very much the like you know very much a specific type of guy um and then frank comes along Um, frank literally falls into his life yeah (laughs) it falls into a pit trap is what happens yeah um and then obviously he triggers the alarm so um they go out to see what's happening and it's like oh there's another person and yeah. bill's very much like just gun aimed the whole time like <laughs> are you infected what are you doing and they have such this even from the very start they have this like very kind of like almost like 
straight man versus slapstick almost with the comedy, but not, yeah. not as obvious as that. But it's very much like Frank is very much like the, the runs his mouth without thinking type character. And it's yeah. very much that kind of like, I mean, one of the, one of my favorite lines is like, uh, Bill is like, Oh, I can't let you leave because you'll tell everyone about that. I have all this food here and then it'll be like, it'll be like, be coming it'll here be like an Arby's. Like Arby's. <laughs> People is expecting a free lunch, and Frank's response is, "Well, Arby's did. It's a restaurant. They didn't give free lunch. Your analogy doesn't make sense." Yeah. And you can see the moment where Bill just blinks, and he's just like, "Okay, like- <laughs> yeah." <laughs> it's it's interesting because it like Frank doesn't come across even so. There's a for the record, there's a four year time jump between mm-hmm. the start with Nick Offerman going and sorting out everyone as as Bill. And then Frank falling in this pit trap. There's a four year gap. And I think one thing that makes Frank come across really well is that he like he doesn't sound like someone who's had to deal with an apocalyptic world for the past four years. He's still making yeah. like you know, like jokes about Arby's, which from a like I suppose from a like completely playing it straight thing, Arby's is a restaurant. Obviously it's not given but like to say that while you've got this like <laughs> uber libertarian guy pointing a gun at you there's like there's just a kind of character relationship there that's like building it's quite it's quite funny it it's quite back you, and forth it gives you a very clear idea that this is someone who has no survival instincts and it's a miracle he made it to bill's trap um, <laughs> yeah. and then and then you have bill who is all survival but you have like he just frank just opens his mouth and nonsense comes out and it's like stuff that you're is, is silly and you're going if you said that to any other soldier, they would just shoot you. <laughs> yeah. But you, but you get, you know, you get Bill, who's just kind of like, hasn't seen a human being for four years, and is like, okay, I guess this is this is happening. Like this is like yeah. it's almost like he's almost grateful to have like this nonsensical person that's got the survival instincts of a you know a chocolate tea kettle <laughs> land into his life. And yeah. I think it's a really good way that they they did their characters and you know they how they embody like what Frank represents and what, you know, Bill represents. And it, it does yeah. grow more and more. And it's a, they've done it really well. Um, yeah. And I like that I, um, yeah. I, I like that they end up kind of balancing each other a little bit as well. Because, like, I would say that Frank didn't strike me as someone who would be at all interested in, like, survival. Um, but then he kind of, like, when he, when he starts to stay with Bill, obviously, he kind of learns a lot of this just by mm-hmm. existing around him. Just um, osmosis. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, after after that initial meet, uh, Bill puts a ladder down and brings Frank out the out the pit, and then um, offers him kind of shelter for the evening before he heads on to to Boston. And mm-hmm. um, he uh, Frank goes for a shower, and you've got this like pretty good scene. I like there's there's one but there's like a couple of lines um, in that scene where like. Bill goes and like puts clothes on the bed for him, and you've got a uh, Frank showering behind a door, um, and you can see that Bill's kind of like a little bit anxious, a little bit like interested at the same time. So like he shouts, and you've got Frank basically, you know, just casually replying, "Oh, I can have five more uh, minutes." And there's a there's a bit where Bill goes, "It's fine," and then he realizes he's not being loud enough, and he goes, oh, "It's fine," <laughs> um, mm. and it, like just again that kind of dynamics quite uh, quite fun. Uh, and then he Bill cooks some dinner. Bill cooks Frank dinner, um, 
and you get even more characterization with Bill when it turns out that he's he's not just super survival, he's also a very talented chef. Um mm-hmm. he he knows he knows what drink to pair with rabbit. Um that's uh that's a bit that um is kind of highlighted by Frank. He goes, Oh, you know, you know what to pair with rabbit, and he goes, Yeah, I don't look like the type. Um Yeah. And like yeah, I think there's there's bits there that's just quite quite good. It's it's the subtle characterization that you're not being beat over the head with. It would be very easy to portray Bill as a complete knucklehead who's just guns the whole way. Yeah. And he is to some degree, he's obviously a, a gun enthusiast, but he does actually have deeper character. And yeah. it's not just brought out by Frank. It does exist, but it is nurtured by Frank, which is such a wonderful way of like kind of as yeah. the blower likes to saying in the chat, the rituals are intricate. They are like um, when <laughs> I, I'm just thinking like Frank's Frank's face when Bill brings out this like incredible, almost like I, I kind of got a little bit of like Michelin starness from the from the dish because of how it was like how it was yeah, served and you had how it was presented. Like you had those like fried like kind of half fried half roasted potatoes. The you know the ones that you see like really really professional restaurants do, yeah, and they look so like delicate. And, like Frank's just sitting. He, I think he actually says, "What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How do you eat like this?" Um, because he wants but, to, yeah, and that's that's a wonderful thing about it as well. It's you know, it, it, it's again, it's a a piece of bill that gets enhanced by Frank. It's finding small joys to hang on to. And for Bill, it's taking pride in the fact that his food looks like it's been prepared by a Michelin star chef. He is doing it. He yeah. is taking care of himself. It's not just like man-eating leather strips of meat in bunker. It's like he's literally, he's worked out a way to have something sustainable but also nice. Yeah. But he's also missing that niceness and other aspects of his life that Frank makes him really aware of. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then you've got this kind of, you've got this section where um, Frank goes, oh, I guess I'll be going now. Um, yeah, but then he sees the piano that um, Bill has, um, and tries to <laughs> tries to play him some music, and he's fucking atrocious. Um, yes, like Frank can't sing at all, um, and then like Bill kind of steps in because he doesn't want Frank butchering the song that he likes. Um, yes, and then then plays it, and you get this kind of uh, tender moment where Frank asks him, "Oh, so like." what girl are you playing that for? Like, who are you thinking of? And Bill kind of goes, ah, there's there's no girl. And then I think they kiss right away from that. Yeah. Frank kind of leans in and, and kisses him and then tells him to shower. <laughs> um, and then you've got the scene with them in the in bed. Yeah. Which is like, and it's a very, it's, it's a very kind of human moment between them. Yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily sexy. It's very awkward. But it is that kind of like, you know, one person may not have realized they are gay or bisexual until this point in time, yeah. but they've also not had human contact for four years. Yeah, blue, they, the first person they meet, they're they're suddenly in bed. Yeah, blue, blue really, lights yeah. is absolutely nailing it in chat. It, it was like such a soft scene. Like it was done yeah. really well. It was like the human of it like <laughs> Nick Offerman comes in with a towel and he's just like well here I am <laughs> um, yeah it's, it it's, was very vulnerable it was aye. very very vulnerable and it was very kind of it wasn't that um, 
the the idea that everyone is sexy but no one's horny. I yes. would believe that they would be horny for each other, but even it wouldn't necessarily be sexy because it wasn't done with like, look at these blindingly sexy people. You're supposed to believe they have chemistry, whereas this was like there yeah. could be chemistry here, or it could just be that you're really lonely and you want, a, you know, affection and you know a, you want someone to be human with. Yeah. And, it, it's very kind of like normalizing in this kind of setting where everything's awful, but you still find ways to express closeness to someone else. Um, yeah. And it, it's really nice. It was a really nice scene. Um, and it, so this is also why I saw people claiming that the episode was queer baiting because of how it ended. That's not what the term means. For anyone young or for anyone who's unaware of what queerbaiting means, queerbaiting means you are leading the audience on to say that someone is gay to try and get audience engagement, and then you turn around and go, ha-ha, they're actually straight. That's not what this is. Like Sherlock, very, right? Yes, like, like the BBC Sherlock. It was very much they were leading people on, but then they were kind of laughing at the audience for expecting anything to come from it because it was like, oh, of course. They, they, they give interviews, but like, of course not, they're straight. Yeah. Um I've, this I've seen this. <laughs> I I saw several bad takes um, on this, and obviously you've got your kind of usual suspects who are gonna hate any sort of like you know gay romance. Um, but I I did I did see someone come out with um, they hated the idea that they took a a subtle queer backstory and turned it into like a TV award winning episode, which I. I don't, I don't know how that's it's, rationalized unless it's like some sort of yeah. like gatekeeping. Maybe, maybe they're just like jealous that their little story that they know of is now kind of more mainstream. I, I don't know. I, which is weird because you know fandom as a whole has been screaming for mainstream representation for yeah. years, and then when we do get it, it's never good enough because it doesn't meet your standards. So to say, oh, well, they took a very subtle gay story and t- turned it into a, a TV award-winning one, and that's bad. Like, are you for real? This <laughs> paves the way for showrunners to go, actually, yeah, we can do this. We can be explicit with this. It doesn't have to be subtle. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I just grew up in a generation where, like, Legend of Korra was revolutionary for my generation because you had two characters of the same sex allowed to hold hands on television. Oof. That's what I grew up with. Mm. That is the the, the 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 time I'm coming from. And it's not that far away. Yeah. You know, I'm not ancient despite what Tumblr thinks I'm not. <laughs> like <laughs> and it's that kind of people complaining about having mainstream representation instead of having it be subtle. Yeah. What are you on? What what level of privilege are you coming from that you would rather have it be background and subtle? Yeah. And to have it be something that's so tender and so real and handled with absolutely the utmost of respect. Yeah. Like it's it, I, yeah, it's just it's it's weird how you've got like obviously you've got this solid wall of people who are just gonna be dicks because it's a like a gay romance story. Um but then you've got like just really weird it's almost like internal fights that are, you know, like people are saying that it's queer baiting or people who say that, oh, I can't believe it's been made into this big thing. It's like, I don't know. Some people can never be happy, I suppose. Um, I'm never happy, but that's the truth of all fandom. Like you'll have people that complain about every aspect of something. Yeah. It's like, okay, make your own thing. <laughs> yeah. Make, um, you do it perfect, you know? 
Yeah. So we have we have this scene and like there's there's a bit of joking from Frank, which is like, oh, I I don't just it's basically he basically says something along the lines of I don't just fuck for food. Um, I'm gonna like I'm gonna stay here, <laughs> um, um, for a bit longer, and then you get a time you get you get like from this really really tender moment, you have them in the middle of like a a couple's uh, argument, um, as um Frank storms out the house. Uh, because <laughs> Bill's being super survivalist about resources and doesn't want Frank to like decorate <laughs> the street. Yes. Um, and like you know, I think it's like three years later the time jump. Um, it's a very real couple's argument, and <laughs> yeah. it was so nice to see because it was you could see the growth that had taken place in Bill because he's having this you know um, moment of just like. He he's wanting to blow up at Frank, and you can tell he physically takes a breath, and you see him <laughs> do mindful breathing, which he's obviously learned from Frank. Yeah, he's just like, like he just takes a breath, and he's like, okay, like let's pla- practice conflict resolution. Let's have yeah. a healthy discussion over this instead of me just yelling at you about wasting resources. And you yelling at me about being joyless. There's, there's a it, bit where so <laughs> Frank gets up in his face and is pointing at Bill and he's like, and don't say resource management. <laughs> uh, which I thought was quite funny because it's like, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking there was some of the stuff throughout the episode where, um, and that actually speaks to the bit from Joel and Ellie at the start where she's talking about how he got, um, how he got sh- like the scar. And he's, mm-hmm. he's he's talking about he's like oh well someone shot at me and missed and he's like oh did you shoot back he's like yeah I shot I shot back and missed and yeah. I thought I thought that was a joke about the video game I thought that was a joke about like you know you totally fucking up like aiming in a video game for example because he goes happens more often than you think um, yeah so yeah when I, I I don't know why but the resource management bit just made me think of like a post apocalypse video game about resource management um, over like folk who decorate like in frostpunk <laughs> um yeah but like i thought like that that seems good um and then is the jump from there to yes the i so they have this spat and a uh, frank says i want to make the place look nice for people and he's like because i've invited some and then you get the scene with joel and tess um yes. who've arrived um, young Joel and Tess. Yeah, young young Joel and Tess, um, and you can see that Bill is not happy about having anyone uh, join the, um, well, <laughs> come into the gated community. Yeah, but, and they um, do have a very frank discussion. Like, there's that you know, it's very obvious that Frank and Tess set this whole thing up. Yeah, it's the two people that are kind of going. We need allies. We need friends that we can trade for and stuff like that. And you have Bill and Joel. Like they are the two sides of the same coin. And yeah. it's but Joel has slightly better manners. <laughs> but it's like yeah. when Bill Bill pulls the gun on him and Joel is just unfazed. He's just like, listen, if my if Tess brought people into our situation like this, I'd be pissed off too. But here's the thing: we can trade. I can yeah. make it so that you can protect Frank for the rest of your lives. Yeah. And it's a really nice scene. It's a really well kind of like, it shows you the parallels between them and it kind of shows the character that Joel's going to grow into yeah. slightly. And I like, I like, so like uh, on that bit, I think Joel lists off like two things 
um that they can like trade he's like we've got we've got books we've got machine parts and then he goes and get that gun out my face and he like he makes yeah. it and it's it's a good bit of you know joel's unfazed um and is probably meeting bill more on that kind of like survivalist terms i'd say the two of them are probably a bit more pragmatic than frank and tess are um mm-hmm. We are like you know Frank and Tess are obviously that like they were the ones that came up with the radio system like the eighties and the like you know the code uh, for eighties yeah. and seventies music, um, and I also thought it was quite interesting that like Bill kind of learns stuff from Joel in that scene as well because like you think obviously Bill's this kind of like hardened survivor but he's not been far enough outside the community that he's built to actually experience what it's like and joel warns him about uh, raiders um mm-hmm. and says look raiders are gonna come you know fedra the kind of post-apocalyptic government aren't gonna come here um but raiders will and you know that fence isn't gonna do anything and then you get another time jump and there's just like they've, they've turned the fence into just like three cars piled up on top of each other for like <laughs> the whole way round. you know they've mm-hmm. like improved the improved the defenses um pretty significantly and uh, yeah I, d- I don't know how long that time jump is but you're you're then you then get the strawberry scene um where... you get the strawberry scene which is very lo- lovely it's yeah. very very tender <laughs> yeah um and it, it's one of those little moments where you realize that it's you know survivalism is all well and good but you cannot let the small things die with that because there's this very tendency in a lot of survivalist media to be the bare bones of everything and to a degree that will happen but as we know from history and from our current own experiences people still create happiness people still find community people will create these things even when you try to stop them from doing it and frank is very much the so Bill is the the means of living. Frank is the the reason for living, and it's that idea yeah. of to have. You can't just have survivalism. You have to have a reason beyond just survive. Yeah, and it's very the strawberries is lovely because you have Bill legitimately breaks down when he sees strawberries. Yeah, and they have this this lovely moment too, where it's like, oh yeah, I traded one of your guns for the strawberries, and you can see the moment flicker in Bill's eyes, like going <laughs> what. what? <laughs> Which gun? Which gun? And Frank's response is one of the little ones. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he has no idea about guns beyond you know, you know, pointing yeah. at people and shoot. But like it's to, even at that moment, like when even after Bill has that moment of panic, it's still worth it to him because they get to have strawberries in yeah. a time where people have been turned into fungus-infected zombies, and they <laughs> are, for all intents and purposes, the last two people on Earth a lot of the time. Yeah, I think and, like that's yeah. like that scene in particular shows the kind of massive change in Bill over the years. I think it's like a, it's a really good way to like Bill wouldn't have fucking traded a gun for anything like right back at no. the start. Um, so it's like it's a kind of I feel like it does a really good job at kind of like grounding you at like where both of the characters are at as well as like. Um, you know, like Bill's kind of ongoing conversion into being like, I think Bill recognized, recognized that Frank has obviously put a lot of effort into growing the strawberries for him Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that kind of like, he wants to make Frank happy. So is 
happy that the strawberries are there. I think he, he did like the strawberries himself, but I think there was also an element of like, he wants to make Frank happy. Uh, and that's why he's overjoyed at the strawberries as well as being yeah. overjoyed at getting to eat strawberries. It's Frank. If that makes showing sense. Survivor, it's, it's Frank showing survival skills. So you're yes. seeing that Frank can grow vegetables. He can grow fruit. He's learned from Bill. And you also have Bill who's learned from Frank that you do actually have to stop and appreciate getting to eat a sweet treat. Yeah. Like, it's literally just so nice and just so... It is. It's a human moment again. The whole episode yeah. is just so human. It's And it's... Yeah. I, one thing I found, like, it's... I don't find myself thinking about living in a post-apocalyptic world that often um, beyond the, like, the event that'll happen that turns it. But, like, imagine yeah. imagine being, like, 10 years into an apocalypse and you fucking find strawberry seeds. Like, it, it was probably the first time I've actually thought, I was like, that would actually be fucking surreal. Like... Oh wow! I can actually yeah. like have strawberries again. Um, I don't know. It's just it was another. It was a nice moment for the two characters, and it was also kind of like a, huh? That would actually be a really fucking big deal. Um, it's the small things. It, it yeah. really puts the emphasis on it being such small things that make life worth living. Yeah, and it, it's it, for me as as a disabled person again who's gone through this pandemic. It's been very much that people are like, oh yeah, can you imagine being in a, in a, in a you know end of the world situation for ten years? We are th- three years into COVID, and I'm sitting here going, and it's going to be another <laughs> it, for for me at least as an immunocompromised person. It's going to be a while longer before things go back to normal, if if they ever do for me. And it's for me, it's finding the small joys and things that make it bearable. Mm-hmm. It's you know friends that will if you know will mask up to come see you. Yeah you know, instead of just being left behind, yeah. you know, it's stuff like, Oh, like um, you're able to get like a nice treat from your delivery service because this thing that was out of stock because of the supply thing is, you know, all the shortages, you can now get these things again. You can't get them as often, but you can still get them. And like, as an author as well, during cannot recommend uh, launching a book series at the start of a global pandemic uh, because you run out of paper for everything yeah. so for me it's been small mercies of seeing paper come back on the market because it means i can print books um but mm. it's just like it's you need you don't think of like a lot of people don't think of books as luxuries for a lot of people they are and it, for me it was like kind of like seeing that reflected in them like they have a, a rare resource that is precious and it is not necessary to survival but it is nice yeah. And I, was, I, and I mean, fully empathise with that. Yeah, and in a post-apocalyptic world, books would be a fucking luxury because they'd be the first thing that gets burned to for heat yeah. and all the rest of it. For um, fuel, you'd be using it for hygiene reasons. Um, yeah, wiping your arse, all that good yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, like I think you know that that's a really good scene. And then the next one is um, they get attacked. Yeah. Yes. Which, they, do, they do get attacked, yeah. Which, to be fair, I got a fucking good chuckle out of. There is something kind of hilarious about, like, Bill's, like, Bill's traps, like, just, like, going to town on the people that are trying to assault this gated community. It's like, you know, I think, obviously, the attack is that, like, it kind of, you know, for the, the majority of the episode so far, it's been this kind of, like, pushback against Bill's survival instincts 
um in mm-hmm. a kind of way that's like oh you need to understand it like decoration and all that and then there's the harsh reality of raiders are trying to break into the gated community um <laughs> bill is standing in the middle of the street sniping people um while his traps are like setting people on fire Just and all the rest of it <laughs> it's, it's like and it's it's almost a, comical engineering genius <laughs> It's like it's almost comical how some of the traps are like going off though. So you end up kind of laughing. Um, and then I thought it was quite interesting that Bill only gets shot when Frank goes out into the street because Bill's already well out of bed and well aware of the attack before um, before Frank gets up. Frank wakes up because a bullet comes through the window or something like that. Yes. Um, but, you know, Bill's already out there kind of taking the fight to them. And um, I, I just found it interesting that obviously Frank doesn't really know what to do in this situation, so just grabs a pistol um, and kind of hopes for the best and runs outside. And he calls to Bill. And I think when Bill turns around to check on Frank, that's when he gets shot. He um, does, yeah. And you've then got... I don't really know what happens to the rest of the raiders, but I'm guessing they're well and truly fucked. Like they're well they're on fire. Yeah, <laughs> we just napalm. Yeah, they're all they're all pretty pretty gubbed. And um, the you you've then got this scene where you think that Bill's gonna die, um, and he's kind of yes. he gets he gets put on the dining table, and. He's telling Frank, he's like, look, I've I've written like a guide for you basically on on like what to do. And uh, you know, I, I think I was I was kind of impressed with how cool Frank was in that scene. Like they, they didn't write Frank as being overly concerned or panicking. He was really actually cool as a cucumber. Um, I can't believe I just said that. Um, he was he was really he was really calm, like he wasn't panicking whatsoever, and he was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, keep talking to me. I'm just going to treat this. I'll pour alcohol in the wound, like that kind of stuff. Um, he was very much in that kind of um, the adrenaline he'd surpassed panic and had gone to the calm space necessary to help someone. Yeah, and. You would not expect it of him, given his previous characterizations. You wouldn't yeah. expect the person that's concerned about painting this, the, you know, the picket fences to be yeah. the person that's also competent at doing field surgery on a dining table. Yeah. Um, and it really shows you how much he has actually learned from Bill. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. No, I say it's a good scene. And then we have what I think is probably the best... Um, juxtaposition in scenes because it then cuts I think it actually advances 10 years after that and you see someone sitting in a wheelchair and you go right so Bill was shot through the stomach it might hit his spine you know he might be in the wheelchair but it Mm -hmm. turns out it's Frank in the wheelchair and I think the Mm -hmm. I, I don't know I just I think Maybe I'm maybe I'm drawing way too much attention to it and trying to pretend it's something it's not, but I thought that that was quite a good like transition where you are absolutely like obviously for those of us who've played the games and know what happens, we know it's probably not Bill, but mm-hmm. I think the the difference between like Frank being in a position of almost like caring strength, like doing his best to help Bill who's lying on the table to then do that kind of 180 where it's actually Frank that's needing the help now. 
Um, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bill's Bill's really strong, and I think like this scene hurts for like a couple of reasons because yeah. like we're getting into like the really sad bit as well. Um, but like I think um, Frank is struggling to paint. He's in too much pain and he doesn't have great control of his hands. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of see, like, this is before, like, the well, this is before the other scene. But, like, you can see him, he's kind of close to, like, not appreciating life on account of he's not able to do much. Um, yes. Which is frustrating it's a, it's for impl- For those who have not seen it, it's implied he either has, you know, some form of cancer, MS, or ALS, which is... Yeah debilitating he's he's obviously in a lot of pain even sitting in the chair causes him pain yeah. and it was a very relatable moment for me as someone who do i have widespread body-wide chronic pain from i have genetic problems and i remember watching that and thinking oh they're going this route okay this is this is going to be hard to watch um yeah and yeah. T- like there's and of course there's the bit where like bell walks up and like obviously you can see that Frank's kind of struggling, but he kind of gives him a like a cheeky wink, and they've they're like they've aged up Bill throughout this because they they are ten years yeah. older, um, and the like the, the just the really nice bit about this scene is obviously Bill watering the plants and watering the flowers is like something that Bill would not have wasted the water on like at all, yeah. but it like he does it so naturally it's kind of like daily routine. And it like it conveys daily routine. Obviously, we're only seeing like this almost vertical slice of life um, from like their day to day interactions. But you can probably see that at some point, Bill went, "We can ha- use the resources to water the flowers." Um, yeah, I think domestic that was domestic life. Yeah, it's very domestic. It's very homely. It's you know, this person who went from we can't waste even paint. And you know, paint's yeah. not as valuable as water. And he's like, we can't waste paint for fences. To he's watering. I think it's mums of all things that yeah. are notoriously for dying as soon as they get slightly dehydrated. <laughs> and it's, he walks up to Frank, who is very clearly who's Frank, who's always been the 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 find joy in the small things person, find yeah. joy in, in aesthetic and pride and all sorts of things. And he's doing it for him because Frank can no longer do it himself. Yeah. And that's when I when I realized that that's when I start I started crying then. <laughs> yeah, because <and> <laughs> uh, you're you're then yeah you're immediately then met with the scene where Frank has decided that he um you know he what he wants to end his life and mm-hmm. he wants to go out on his terms and he he needs Bill's help to do it and I don't know why but like I'm like I think. I, I didn't start going when he was watering the plants, but the moment I saw Bill sitting on the couch having to listen to Frank, like, tell him that that's what he wanted, like, mm-hmm. that was fucking tough. Um, and then, like, Frank kind of plans out the last day for them. Um, and, you know, they're going to go for a walk, they're going to go to the boutique, they're going to pick out rings, they're going to pick out outfits, they're going to get married, they're going to have a nice dinner, and then they're going to um, basically mix the pills that Frank's been taking into his wine, um, and then um, they'll go to bed and Frank will die mm-hmm. in Bill's arms, right? And then you get what I can only call 
the montage, the worst montage ever, because it's got fucking classical music playing over the top of it that mm-hmm. I just, uh, yeah, I don't even want to remember it. I'm like, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just off of watching it again. And it's like such a nice, it's such a nice, well done scene. Um, like you just, you don't see it. There's, there's no, there's no voice. There's no voiceover. You don't hear it. You just see them interacting. And then like, because it's the last day and you know, and they know like you're crying at this point. Um, but I thought it was handled really well in regards to the majority of the tears had stopped when you got to the dinner table again for mm-hmm. the final bit. And I think like, this is back to when I was saying that like a, a worse TV show, if you wanted to make the episode worse, you could have just made it an absolute tear fest the entire way through. You could have had the music keep going, but instead you actually have this moment where, um, like the, the dinner that they cook is the same dinner as the one from when they first met, when they first met, they drink the same drink with the meal and then they have a separate kind of wine. Um, and you also get, yeah, like you kind of get like that bit of banter, um, with like with obviously grinding up the the medicine to put in the wine, mm-hmm. um, and you know you have this kind of like tender last moment, and then Frank goes, the medicine was already in the bottle of wine, wasn't it? <laughs> and Bill's <Yeah>. like, yep. <laughs> um, I don't know, like people like. Uh, there was there has I've seen some other pushback against the episode like as a kind of um I, I don't know what the trope's called. Is it kill your gaze? Bury your gaze. Bury your gaze. Bury Sorry, your not gaze. kill your gaze. <laughs> Bury your gaze. Um like people said and it was again, that. I, it is not that. It, it's I not. I cannot stress enough it is not that. This is Bury Your Gaze is it is trauma porn for trauma's sake. It is mm. to make it is to kill the gay character off, usually for a reason you know, um, in the romance um, genre, it used to be done with a lot of um, the bisexual polyamorous stuff. You'd kill off one of the trio so that the main true pairing could stay. And it was, Bury Your Gaze was always done for shock value. It was mm. always done to inflict pain. It was to kill off a token character. These right. were not token characters. They were not killed no. off for shock value. These were gay men who survived an apocalypse into old age yeah they're, they are and they're fucking the old by, by the end of it by, they chose the means by which they left the world mm-hmm. that is not bury your gaze they were not killed for shock value it yeah. if you cannot see how this was referencing to like the aids crisis and everything else it's two men surviving a a pandemic into it's two gay men surviving a pandemic into old age yeah loving each other getting married before marriage was legal in the u.s yeah, and then opting to die together, which was something. If if society was still intact at that time, they would have been denied. Yeah, it is not it's... bury your gaze at all, and I will fight anyone who says it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting, Starry Sky. You've mentioned a point there. Uh, you said you think it would have been nice for Bill to survive, but understand how they changed the story. It made sense, and I. Like I, I'm gonna say, I, I I disagree with that. I think the way they changed it actually made the 
the episode and to be honest it could have been a pretty happy uh, inclusion in the in the game as well um i think the bill that you meet in the last of us game has suffered that loss and become incredibly jaded by it and reverted back to like obviously the bill in the game is quite different from the bill that we we see in the um in the episode in the in tv series but i think like again this is back to the how could they have made this worse they could have had bill survive and joel and ellie at the end of the episode could have met this jaded as fuck bill that's went back to like pure survival because he's got nothing else to kind of stick around for or be happy for yeah i am so glad that they actually allowed them to both go out because i i think bill's like mechanical use in the narrative is a car battery and i think i think you get the car battery whether or not as we've seen in the tv show you get that whether or not bill's alive or not um to to some extent blue lights it might have hurt more if he did live and to be honest yeah i can i can see the argument made for that at the same time though i think that maybe would have ran the risk of slipping into the kind of bury your gaze a a little bit just because it's like all you're using bill for there is like the emotional tragedy of losing someone that he's uh, he's been with since four years into the I think the Abbey were so they were together for sixteen years. Sixteen years. Yeah. So. And it's it's a different you have it, it's also yeah. the the time frame when the game was written and the world the society that we had then is very different from the cultural experiences we have now and what we need from our media. And I yeah. would argue that the last of us are aware of the fact that we do not need tragedy for tragedy's sake. I would argue yeah. that they know that we the, do not need pain for pain's sake. They are telling painful stories, but they are not doing it needlessly to just inflict psychological damage to their audience. It's not grim, yeah. dark media. I, I mean, would actually argue that the last of us in the TV show is much more hopeful than the game because that's what we need as a society now is that we need hopeful stories about survival. Yeah, I suppose it's also worth mentioning that we have had like pretty two high level tragedies like so far. Like obviously Joel's daughter dying in the first episode. I know it wasn't mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, but obviously that's quite a heart wrenching scene. Um, and then you had Tess at the end of the second one. Um, I think it was a a nice change of pace. And to, like, I think you know, obviously we'll we'll finish up with talking about the episode, but the basically after they decide they've both drank the wine um they've gone upstairs they've shut the bedroom door and they've opened the window and they've laid in bed with each other and it then like you don't see any of this and um joel and ellie come across the the compound you see immediately that the flowers haven't been cared for joel immediately knows that something's up um, and they kind of explore the house. And this is another uh, how they could have made this episode worse. They could have easily had Joel burst into the room and done the classic, oh, there's a dead body in here, like hand yeah. over the mouth. Oh, the smell. But they didn't. There was a letter that explained uh, like to, uh, to Joel from Bill. They explained what had happened. Um, here's the battery. Here's the armory. 
go and do whatever. We didn't need any anything else, I don't think. We did not need to see that tragedy. We did not need to see the gold of it. We did not need the shock value. And right. I think a lesser show would have relied on the shock value to drive home all oh, the horrors of the apocalypse. We don't need that because we know the horrors of the apocalypse. They're called clickers and the other zombie. Like we yeah. see those other things. And yeah. it's very it, yeah, as Doom Red Shirt saying in chat, it was their dignity in their death. Yeah. Which I really appreciated. I, I was I was sobbing again at that point. Not necessarily because it was sad, but because it had been handled respectfully. Yeah. And that's not something I really expect from a lot of apocalyptic media. I usually expect it to be the world is dark and full of terror. You know, that kind of yeah. the grim I, I'm really anti grim dark media because I don't think it's good for my mental health or a lot of other people as well. I mean, some people, it, it scratches the itch that they need for whatever, but I do think we do need more media that allows for dignity in these situations. And it is and, based like, on what they are choosing to show you. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, weird, there's a weird bit of hope in this episode as well. Um, that's Obviously, it is really sad that both of them end up dying, and they dying early on account of Frank's whatever frank has wrong with him um mm -hmm. but you know at the same time like fucking 16 years together in a apocalypse is not too bad um apocalypse, if, the, if the actual apocalypse happens i'm gonna last a week <laughs> <That's>, oh. <laughs> I, am, I i'm not even gonna try because it's like it, it was at the start of the pandemic i had people messaging me constantly saying you know it's been no secret that a lot of people don't care about disabled lives and the fact that we had a show where you had frank who had been injured and he carried his injury into old age with him continued to care for his partner as the partner became bill, disabled in it. yeah yeah bill sorry you know as, as frank became more and more disabled by his illnesses and bill continued to care for him in an apocalyptic situation yeah height of romance for me. that was absolutely just like holy shit survived it, pandemic <laughs> survived yeah. yeah and i i was crying for that too because it's a level of representation that we don't see in yeah. these things as well you do not see the characters who grow old the characters who either become disabled to or who are disabled it's always the horror of that it's always oh well we killed off the weakest first yeah and here I, you have the survivalist gung-ho person who goes no actually i'm going to take care of this person until he no longer wants me to yeah and that yeah. was incredible to me to watch i it it really it broke my heart in multiple ways that i don't think a lot of media has especially not post-apocalyptic stuff yeah um, and one of the things i also really liked about the like the ending when you've got joel and ellie is that like Everything that Bill wrote to Joel in regards of like use this to look after Tess, like yes, it wasn't like it wasn't written from any sort of like romance perspective, and you could see that like in Joel's mind, all you have to do is switch the word Tess for Ellie, and everything yes. everything that Bill was imparting to him like applied, and you know I think. I'm trying to think uh, how the game goes. Again, it's been ages, but like Jessica mm -hmm. reminded me that like you've got this school section with the bloater in the game, and then you come across Bill, um, and like you've got then. Like, I think that's 
Like it's the jokes that Ellie makes in and around where Bill is features in the game that gets Joel in game to start kind of warming up to. So mm-hmm. we're kind of seeing this presented in a slightly different way for the TV show. Um and it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. Like I like I've heard that um if they st- if they follow the game, uh the fourth episode is also gonna be a really tough one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tonight's gonna tonight's gonna be traumatic for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. Watching it's, um, it live. <laughs> it's I think as as far as I'm concerned, there's like two boys in um in the section of the game after Joel, there's two boys, um, and it can be it's it's going to be quite tough. Um, but yeah, I think like anyway, that kind of ties that episode up, um, just scene by scene, um, and it's really, to be honest, it's probably a probably one of the best episodes of telly that I've seen in a couple of years. Like I thought it was really well done. Um, and my favorite tweet. My favorite tweet was, "Okay, so the story writers really went. Joel needs a car battery. Let's make the most beautiful 120 minutes of television ever seen." <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you know, people can disagree with it. I genuinely think they they need a short, gay, apocalyptic love story. Yeah, that entire and- episode was just that. And I'm going, what in what world would we have gotten that independently? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's interesting that uh, you have a lot of people completely missing the point of a lot of apocalyptic tales as well. Yes. Um, you've seen some... What I can... Like, the people who would probably call themselves, like, deep thinkers, right, have said that, you know what The Last of Us is actually about? It's just about the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, but the clickers and stuff are they are cool but they're like the least interesting thing about the entire narrative of the last of us like it it's I, always the, if, if someone has to tell you how smart they are yeah like, <laughs> and it's always those people that are going actually i had like there was one i, I saw a, an argument on twitter and the guy was like actually my iq is something he gave a number and i was like cool that doesn't mean you're grasping what this story is trying to tell you yeah (laughs) yeah. it is it's interesting how that kind of like the just the just the general attitudes to episodes like this provoke in you know our society i know i kind of hate phrasing things like that but Mm -hmm. there's like to think this episode's been review bombed right so probably one of like from from a technical standpoint from an acting standpoint um like this episode is excellent right it is absolutely fantastic and for whatever reason um people have decided to review bomb it now we all kind of know why they've review bombed it but 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 my my favorite thing is all the all the kind of ancillary reasons that they try and like invent to be plausible ways to dislike the episode um so we've seen stuff like um Oh well, it's not it's not canon because you meet Bill in the game, right? Who cares? It's like the smallest of changes, and again, the narrative purpose of Bill is a car battery. That's it. Um, yeah, and- it, it reminds me of when The Witcher became popular, like The Witcher mm. Netflix, and you had a lot of the original, like the game fans who'd never encountered fandom before. They were freaking out, in, or, like, or read ads. the books, <laughs> or read the books. Yeah, they yeah. were freaking out. 
And it was like, it's not canon compliant. It's like, that is the point of fandom is that yeah. fandom is not about canon compliance. And also retellings are not about canon compliance. Retellings are about taking the story to a different angle. Yeah. Retellings are retellings. It's not a faithful step-by-step adaptation. It is, what does this story writer want to tell with this world? Yeah. Um, and it really bugs me when it's like, oh, it's not canon compliant. I mean, who, who cares? Is it an excellent yeah. piece of media by itself that happens to take place in this universe? Yes. To, like, to it be is, fair, you know, I think it's the... It, it's... I think what The Last of Us TV series is doing is kind of showing like the kind of excellent way that you can get a TV tie into a game. Like it's staying it's staying so true to like the source material and to be honest has given like people will play The Last of Us Part 1 PC port when it comes out in March, right? And like I think it's it's going to be really interesting because they will see Bill in game, right? Mm-hmm. But the like, I, I reckon people will just be headcanon and that is just a pick up the car battery side of things. I like, yeah, it's it's such a nice like. I I I'm trying to think of another video game that has a TV offshoot that's done something where, like, I'd be quite content to play through The Last of Us Part One and not encounter Bill and just find a note on the table. Like, I would be cool with that. I'm not going to be stabbed in the heart over the original premise of the story. I think it was nice to see something... It was nice to see the writers of this episode take something that has, I think, a couple of collectible items and stuff associated with it in-game and just completely deepen, like, Mm -hmm. the relationship of two side characters, one of which we don't actually see in-game. You don't see Frank at all. Um, and it's done with respect. It is yeah. done. You can tell that they really respect the the game medium, and that they actually really respect the story that the game was trying to tell. Yeah. But again, you know, as Blue Lights has been saying in the chat as well, it's been it's a different audience. It's a different yeah. medium. You have to adapt it and change things. But also, you're taking a story that was from a pre-pandemic time and you were enriching it with the things that you now want to see in a world that has known that level of death and tragedy. Obviously yeah. not with zombies, but like it, it is done, there is no disrespect towards the canon. There is no disrespect no. towards the game. And people that are arguing that it is are just sticklers for, I want everything to be 100% the way I perceive the world. But, but to be and honest, I, 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 don't, I don't think half these people are really fussed about the canon anyway. I think they're just using that as, a, as an outlet for what is basically just, I don't like gay people in TV. Homophobia like, is, being is... <laughs> as, it is, being, it is being used to mask their homophobia. Except they're not being very subtle about it, so it's not masking anything. Yeah, like um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I'm just not the type of person, but like, I can't get that. Like, I couldn't find myself getting that worked up about the canon. Like, considering this is also an offshoot, right? Which is another yeah. thing entirely. Like, um, a really good comparison would be the Halo TV series, actually. Um, yes, and what the what they did with like the character and stuff because i think no one's denying that like pedro pascal is doing such a good job as joel um he is fantastic he's he's 
excellent. And like all of all of the actors so far have been great. Um, I, I think it's Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey's doing a great yes. job at, um, at Ellie as well. And I think, you know, as we were kind of saying right at the start of the, uh, the podcast, we were talking about like, you know, I think she's able to get across some of Ellie's more like forceful points really well, where she's not mm-hmm. like she's she's a child, but she's not a child that's going to be made to feel bad about like things that she's not really involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like it's, it's it's annoying how The Last of Us has had such like a solid like faithful adapt uh, adaptation, and I I don't know, it's like. I feel like there's a, there's enough in the Last of Us TV show, considering some of the cutscenes as well. And I think this is a thing that um, we talked about when we first talked about episode one. But like some of the scenes absolutely nail the cutscenes in the game. Like mm-hmm. sure they add a little bit more or they do whatever, but like the general look of the sets and everything else feels very physical. Feels very like I don't know. Just feels very faithful to the game. Um. And then you kind of look at the Halo TV series and it's like, all of this was done in front of a green screen. Like, obviously there is alien planets and all the rest of it and they did have to make things look unusual. But like, I don't know, there's just... It's like, I'm not not sure if it's a lack of effort or... Yeah, Yeah. HBO needs to do a Halo TV series. Like, (laughs) I because I I just, I don't... Like, what the hell is Paramount going to do with season two of Halo on the back of The Last of Us? Like, yeah, uh, uh, that was all a dream, guys. We're actually changing course directly because we need to. Um, you know, there's there's going to be this deep desire for more video game to TV series kind of shows. And for it to be like, good. The, and for it to be good, yeah. Because um, I, I tell you one thing, I would love to see a Bioshock done. I would love to see Bioshock made into a TV series. Oh no! But, <laughs> it would be so uh, tough. It would be awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's interesting actually. Obviously, um, Last of Us is very much a cinematic game, like a cinematic narrative game. You would describe mm-hmm. it as. Um, Bioshock and Halo are both first-person shooters, and I, like, I'm wondering how much that plays into the the mix of it being difficult to difficult to do um like i mean i I reckon you'd probably get i mean okay i'm trying to think of all the kind of gaming media so there was there was the mortal Kombat film right that came out Mm -hmm. kind of recently which to be fair i kind of enjoyed but only on account of like it was just good fun action schlock which i think mortal Kombat is i don't play mortal Kombat from the story i just like yeah yeah um, I'm playing it to mash the X over and over again and just watch people get <laughs> shit kicked out of them. Exactly. That was my experience of Mortal Kombat. And then, uh, uh, so Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which was not associated with the game really, but was kind of had had a couple of crossover characters. Um, like that was that was held in pretty high regard. Um, we obviously spoke about well, we've not watched Arcane. Neither of us have watched Arcane. And then, of course, there's the Dragon Age one, which we also tried to watch, but I don't think either of us have really um, made any headway with it yet. Um, there was a there was a Dead Space anime, actually. There was mm-hmm. like a there was a Dead Space animated film, which was actually not bad because it featured the start of the outbreak on the Ishimura, the ship. 
before yeah. the arrival of Isaac Clarke. And I was like, okay, that's quite that's quite clever. Because I think a lot of the people who you meet in that uh, animated film like had audio logs and stuff in the game, and that's quite good. But nothing on the scale of The Last of Us that I can remember. Um, there was... Do you remember Quantum Break? I do, yeah. How it was like, it was literally half TV show, half video game. It was, yeah, that, that was not uncommon for a lot of kind of like, I remember, I'm slightly older, but I remember a lot of things, games would be that kind of format a lot of the time. Mm. Um, I remember the old Star Wars ones with Cal Katarn. A lot of it was like live action actors. Yeah. And then you'd switch back to the old, the like pixelated shooter. Yeah. Um, so to me, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Mean, I'm just. I don't. I don't think there's really anything else. I mean, Halo. Castlevania. Oh yeah. Sorry. Castlevania animated. Castlevania. Yeah. That's on Netflix, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. And people are talking about it in the chat, and there there seems to be some <laughs> some divide. But um. I'm just. Yeah. I'm, it's. Yeah. I think it would be. They, you know, if if for some reason they find a way to burn the current Halo series to the ground and then start anew with, like... To be honest, they could even take one of, like, the short stories or, like, one of the novels and just do a whole thing on that. It doesn't even mm-hmm. need to necessarily involve, like, the Master Chief or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think what other, like, what other games would be good to do for, like... I mean, oh, so they did the Assassin's Creed film! Aha! I knew I would get I it in. I don't remember that. <laughs> My, Michael Fassbender as. Oh my god! As, yes, I think I blocked that out. As a guy, oh no. yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that I, I I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, well, sorry, I don't think I ever saw all of that. I think I stopped about ten minutes in. I think I blacked it out. I think I watched it and then. Yeah, I have no memory of it, but it, I remember <laughs> Michael Fassbender's face. Oh shit! Um, we, yeah, we sorry. We had Prince of Persia as well with Jake Gyllenhaal. Did we? Yeah, <laughs> which was remember. which was not great. Um, but yeah, I think like I think that so there's obviously there's some things that can't be adapted, and that's mainly RPGs. Um, that being said, there is a Fallout TV series being made. Um, don't know what that's gonna involve. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I I saw that and I was kind of like, I don't know if that will be any. It mean, there's a lot of potential for it, but I feel like they've been veering away from even in the games, they've veered away from the things that made Fallout successful. Yeah, and well, I, I mean, think a TV you, show is going to understand it. Like, I think it's really difficult to have a standalone game set in an rpg world where you can create your own character because that world yeah. means so much to so many different things to so many different people um sky has mentioned the doom movie yep we, yeah mm-hmm. oh god that has the rock in it um and carol urban who's it's it's actually see the doom movie is interesting because there's one scene in it which is really cool and it's when the they basically film a first-person, like, shooter scene. There's Carl Urban, and the camera's, like, mounted on him, and he's just going through corridors. Um, and you're seeing everything in first-person, like you would in a, in a Doom game. Like a, yeah, like a Doom game. 
But um, I've seen a couple of people attempt to do like a first person film, um, like before, like a full full length first person film before, and it's just yeah. It gives me nausea. It's like when the Blair Witch came out and everything was shaky cam and everyone did shaky cam for (laughs) about a decade. Um, I can't watch those things. I can't play them either. Like, very rarely I play first-person shooters. But um, it's that kind of... It doesn't translate as well. And I think you are right that The Last of Us did succeed because it is very story-heavy. Yeah, It is very heavy on the cutscenes and, you know, cinematic moments and... Um. Yeah. Do you know what would be? I could potentially be a fun one. Um, the Monkey Island. Oh fuck! I would love that. I would fucking (laughs) love that. I would love. See, see if they got the tone right. If if they if they got the general tone right and they didn't try and make it too seriously, it would be amazing. Um, Yes. Ah man, seeing Guybrush Threepwood on screen would be amazing. So, to be honest, same with Grim Fandango, but I don't want anyone to touch perfection. No one should. <laughs> you you cannot improve on Grim Fandango. Um, and what? Yeah, I would I would love to see something like that. But yeah, I think I'm. You know, I'm trying to think of like other games. I mean, like was was there not talk of like a Gears of War film at some point? Thought there was as well. Jim's red shirt brought up Uncharted as well. I do not remember that. Oh shit! The Tom Holland Uncharted. Is that what that was? The, the, yeah, they made they made Tom okay. Holland um, your man from Uncharted when Nathan Fillon is like right there. <laughs> uh, Unfortunate. It would, yeah. It's just strange. I like such weird casting because he looks, he just like he's he's just too young looking for Nathan. Yeah. Is it Nathan Drake? Is that Uncharted? I oh shit, is, we've yeah. seen Lara Croft movies. There's been several Lara well, Croft movies. Lara Croft, yeah. Um and obviously the classic with Angelina Jolie and then the other one which was woofed rubbish. Um Nature Lemon uh, says they would like to see a Stardew Valley film. You you'd loathe to see a Stardew Valley film. Love loathe to see it, yeah. Oh, it right. would just be like trying to get um it would just be you wandering into village and getting scalped on seeds for <laughs> <laughs> Fuck for, you, like, Pierre! <laughs> <laughs> um i'm looking through Resident like, evil and silent hill yes there's been has there been silent hill movies there's been resident evil uh, films and they've been well has there been silent hill? they're like good good b movie good movie they're, they're definitely b movies i'll let you know <laughs> um death stranding is already a film um so there's no fucking point in in turning that into something to be honest death stranding should have just been a tv world show or a film. warcraft how did i miss that there was a world of warcraft one yes there was a world of warcraft one. what about what about dsx a dsx film mm-hmm. that could maybe work but it would have to be one of the adam jensen ones good yeah um, I did. I think Dishonored would work well, but then you'd have to get people that actually understand the tropes of Dishonored. Yeah. Which the current writers for the game don't, so that's kind of. I think it would fall flat for that one. Um, I did see someone suggest, and I I think this shouldn't be done. I did see someone suggest a Disco Elysium TV show or film, mm. which. I'm I'm kind of intrigued with, but because Disco Elysium's so branching in its interactions, I don't think it could be done. Um, unless you film. But you could say the same about Fallout. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I am saying the same about Fallout. I don't yeah, think the TV show should true. be made. Yeah. Um, uh, we've had a Dragon Age one, so I'm just going down. Uh, we can't have any Elder Scrolls content ever. Um, it wouldn't work, in my opinion. Um, I, I have seen people calling for an Elden Ring TV show, and I'm like, how? Who who wants to know. who wants to see someone die forty times to a boss, <laughs> <laughs> fucking cursing every single moment? Uh, that'd be funny. Um, there was one that I remember when I was. Hang on, I'm gonna see if I can find <sighs> this. Um, oh, I've got one for you that might be interesting. Go for it. A Frostpunk TV show. Oh, I would watch the hell out of that. Frost. I- a frost yeah. a frostpunk TV show in a similar vein to Snowpiercer. Yes. How fucking Snow- Snowpiercer train is actually in Frostpunk canon. It's in the Snowpiercer train yeah. appears in the, in the the last autumn. Yeah. I think that would be fucking amazing. Actually, I think they could do it a real justice because you would get all of the dynamics of in the camp right Mm -hmm. so all all the political dynamics order being brought in or the religion side you could probably do both for the tv show and make it really creepy um you could have scout parties going out um i i I definitely think you could probably do something pretty cool with frostpunk tv show i'm just i'm laughing because i looked up wikipedia do you know the major one that we missed sonic oh yeah to be honest I, 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 i actually didn't mind the sonic film I thought the Sonic film was perfectly fine. I'd watch it on a, I'd watch it on an airplane. That's, yeah, that's fine. yeah. That that's fair. I I yeah, oh god yeah, there's the Mario movie as well. Fuck. The Mar- I would not watch the Mario movie on an airplane. There is no amount of money you could get to me to you- listen to Chris Pratt <laughs> do that. <laughs> Here's I would watch so- the, the original Mario. I'd watch the original Mario Brothers. I would watch that. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, what about what about the new God of Wars? I think they could do a pretty good job with that. Oh yeah. I I mean, well, that with being all the said, hype of your Vikings and stuff, I would. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if there's like, I'd say God of Wars probably slightly more focused on combat than Last of Us is. Um, yeah. And I don't think that there's much. I don't think there's much beyond that because it's such a kind of fighty, you know, hack. I mean, it was originally a hack and slash, and then it mm-hmm. it, it became a, I suppose, a modern hack and slash. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I I could maybe see a God of War film over like a TV show because you would then be expecting Kratos to like go, you know, kick ass every single fucking thing. Wait, God of War had sex many games. Uh, what? Not the modern ones, I... right? Not the the older <laughs> ones. I need to replay God of War. <laughs> um, not four and five. Yeah, the originals. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just looking down my list. Hades. Nah, I don't see Hades being made into. Uh, I don't it, think it would be handled well. Nah. Um, t- that's an interesting one. There was Heaven's Vault, which was a kind of fun yeah. game, but I've I've just not been able to play it because I just I, 
I don't know. I get to a certain point in the game each time and I go, nah, this is enough for me. I think it's, to be honest, I actually think it's the character's walking pace that annoys me more than anything. That's um, fair. Uh, oh, oh, here's one for you. <laughs> Heavy rain. No. <laughs> Refuse. Oh, what? I still, you, I you still don't, not recovered from you subjecting me to that. You Do you know that vampire? They could make vampire good if they oh. hired me. I could rewrite vampire into a decent TV series. To be fair, I would watch that. I would one hundred percent watch a vampire remake, not a heavy rain one. <laughs> David Cage can, can, can get to hell. Um, okay, Hollow Knight. Nah, doesn't work. Or Nature Lemon said uh, Portal. I think Portal could be good. Yes, Portal 2 though, I think, right? Portal 2, yeah. yeah. Um Oh, here's an interesting one. What about Horizon? Now that is a kind of RPG, but I'd say it probably has some In fact, was there not talk of a Horizon TV series? There is. Oh, Sorry, God. that's in pre-production at the moment. Which I hope they're watching The Last of Us very closely and going, shit, we're gonna have to knock this out of the park. Um <laughs> I I, I I don't know how they would do it though. I, I I don't like. It would probably just be CGI to death, like is the only thing. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was a Baldur's vamp- Gate. Baldur's Gate would be good, as Dracota's mm. pointing out. There was a Vampire the Masquerade TV series. I've ever heard of that. I like how we're just now reading the chat and we are. giving opinions. Well, this is the, this is the talk show part. It's the interactive we, part. We are, yeah, <laughs> the interactive podcast that we always say that we do. Um, L.A. Noir, which is already film-like, but could, I mean, to be honest, you could probably just film gameplay and have it. Um, yeah. But L.A. Noir would actually be quite good. Um, try to think what else. What else? No Man's oh. Sky? Oh, I don't know about that. No Man's Sky, is that not a bit too open? Might um, be. You could maybe do something with the Metro series. I mean, you like so long as it was based around your kind of like snowpiercery type. Yeah. Like, you know, you're in the Metro, you're stuck in the tunnel. How do you make a... I mean, to be honest, Snowpiercer is a fantastic series for how to write really interesting character arcs and dynamics in such a small, like, small sets, because it's just carriages on a train. Um, You know, you can't really go broader than that. Yeah. A Plague Tales might work. Oh, A Plague Tale would be cool. It would have to be a TV yeah. series, though. It would have, it would have to, to be. It have to be a TV series. Um, I'm just going through my Steam library. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um... Hmm. There's ones that I would love to see, but will just never be made. To be honest, I would like to see these games remastered over TV series. But Oddworld Stranger's Wrath was really good fun. Um, like it, that would that would be fun. Spyro. I feel like the only way you're gonna get a Spyro type game is if it goes the way of like Sonic. Yeah. Like it would it would have to go that way. Um, oh, I tell you, a TV show that I would watch the fuck out of Power Wash Simulator. 
I would watch. Imagine, imagine just, just fucking real life power washing. You know, today we're cleaning like the dirtiest that's fucking. That's on YouTube. That's that's <laughs> here. That exists. That would be amazing. Uh, half of the cleaning content on TikTok. <laughs> right. So, uh, what else? Red Dead Redemption. I yeah. think I I think I think yeah, but I think also tough to do. I don't think yeah. I, don't I think know. I think it would be hard to match. Yeah, the characterization that you get from playing the characters. Yeah. Um, but I would I I I would like to see something like that because I'm I'm a big Red Dead fan. I it's no no secret that I frequently log into Red Dead just so I can <laughs> look around a, a world that isn't currently frozen. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah. What else, what else is there? What else is on my hard drive? There's Soma. Soma would be good as like a kind of existential crisis like film. I feel like you could probably get a really good like philosophical film out of Soma, but it couldn't be a TV show. Um, and to be honest, they'd probably be more on the experimental film side because I can only imagine a couple of people would go for it. Um, but yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, other things Titanfall Titanfall would be fucking amazing see if they got it right with the mechs Titanfall 2 as a story would be just stunning I think I agree um, with that but that, yeah that would again probably not going to happen there's an obscure video game called Hard to Be a God which was okay. I played that a lot in the early 2010s and it's based on Russian sci-fi that was translated by a French video game company into fake Spanish Italian. So it's janky as hell. Oh. Having a, having actually read the Russian novel, I would really love to see the premise of that because it's a, a, the idea that um, you're in this kind of medieval world and you find out it was a world that was set back in time by like a nuclear disaster and okay. you as a character are from another planet and you are there to bring them back up to speed um, right. and it's basically the idea that th th these people from other planets are godlike because they are more advanced because they didn't go through the disaster it's a really interesting concept <laughs> i would like to see something like that done yeah no um, that's cool the game is awful no one buy it <laughs> it's not done well <laughs> um right i'm just i'm looking down uh, see we've not had a crash bandicoot film I know he's not as popular as like Mario or yeah. Sonic, but I feel but like there was a time. There was a time when Crash Bandicoot had a stranglehold of PlayStation One. Yeah, I remember the one of the one of the best Crash Bandicoot games was like it was a kind of semi-open world one. Um, it was, I want to say it was Crash Bandicoot. Was it Insanity Twin Sanity? Because you could also play. Insanity, yeah. You could also play as Cortex, and you could also play as like Cortex's goth niece. Maybe I'm just... That sounds familiar. Yeah. It, it, so, it sounds like it would be... I don't know. I feel like they've got enough characters in, uh, in Crash Bandicoot to do something with it. Um, Frog Detective would be cool. <laughs> just TV episodes of Frog Detective. Um, Firewatch as a film? See that. Yeah. Um... Outlast as a horror film would be quite good. 
But, I would. But, last I actually just got to that part of my life as well. <laughs> but I, I, the, the only thing with an Outlast film is I don't think there's enough character-to-character dynamics to keep it going. Yeah. Um, You'd have to do so much more work to get the characters into that position. Yeah. Eh... Uh, I think that's it, really. I mean, there's there's no other games in my library that are, like, doable. I just want to rewrite Vampire. I, to I... be honest, I, I would see, <laughs> I, I would love to see a Joy rewrite of, of Vampire. I think it would be excellent. Oh, I can make that so much better. <laughs> <laughs> you could, oh, here's the thing. Ancestors the Humankind Odyssey. But I suppose that's just any sort of National Geographic. David Attenborough Geographic. David Attenborough, yeah. You know that apparently while they were developing the game, they did toy with a documentary mode that would have like had that narrative over it. Mm-hmm. Um, tell you what, Blasphemous would be an interesting one, but I don't see it. I mean, you probably couldn't do that either because it's a wacky Metroidvania, but like as an animated series or something like that, I feel like it would be quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um... Ooh, Orchid of the South Borderlands series. Ooh. Was there that not something died. about that? I feel like that... Was that not a thing? That, like, it was a planned thing? It could be. So I'm just laughing at Nature Lemon, a Tetris film. That is just the organising show that's currently on Netflix. That is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, those, it's those two white women just going into people's houses and putting labels on everything. And then just making their shelves look all the same. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't think that. I don't think there's anything else. Yeah, cult of the la- cult, cult of the lamb. Eh. Um, I don't know. I, I I think that would be tough. Um, oh, but definitely, like, see, see, this all stemmed from you saying uh, that. Curse of Monkey Island or Monkey Island would be good. Yes. Um so the, the past the past twenty minutes of the podcast has been entirely Joy's fault. <laughs> um so it makes a change. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I think uh, that probably concludes this episode, I would say, Joy. Yeah, I would. Um, I would. It started as strong and just slowly devolved into. <laughs> into we want all of the films. Like we don't care. The unlimited funds just keep on going. Um, but yeah, I think uh, with that, folks, we'll wrap up for today. For those of you who are in Twitch chat, don't go anywhere. We'll be hanging around for a wee bit afterwards. Um, and thank you very much for tuning into episode. Four? Yeah, four. Episode um, four, yeah. Episode four of season two of the the Ice Sphere. Thanks very much, everyone. See you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>